0: And this
1: gets the of the of the one. Is it going to be all? Hello, and welcome to All Through a Lens.
0: This is the podcast about film photography, where we discuss a little more than just film photography. I'm Vanya. And I'm
1: Eric. And we are back after a somewhat long hiatus. We're back. (laughs) And this episode, we will be talking to photographer and collector Jordan Tiberio. We'll also consider how sound interacts with our work, and we'll talk about a couple of songs, speaking of sound, that have maybe a little to do with photography, M- maybe maybe not so much, but maybe. We've also got zine reviews and some random chit chat. And speaking of random chit chat, how the hell have you been? Woo,
0: well, yeah, it's been, it's been a while since we've recorded, so um, maybe a little nervous for some reason. Oh,
1: no, get out, get out of your system right now.
0: <laughs> uh, I feel, feel pretty good today. I got in the water. Finally. Finally. This is the second time this year that I went in the water.
1: Wow. So only like two times in this month, really? Yeah. Wow. That sucks. I'm so sorry.
0: Yeah. It's been rough, but I had a lovely visit from my friend, Pam, who uh, my friend since like high school. She's amazing. Actually, the first time we ever hung out, she was walking down the street and I was like, Hey, do you want to like Do you want to drive to Arcata with me? I got a red, you know, and she's, that's like two hours away. She's like, okay. And she like got in the car (laughs) and that's how we became friends.
1: Never make friends with people who won't just hop in the car with you. Yeah. 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 And
0: she's been like my lifelong friend. I adore her. Um, She's one of those people that I could talk with her once a week or every six months and it does not matter. There are no strings attached to our relationship, and it is absolutely wonderful. It is. That is really wonderful. Yeah. She also laughs at her own jokes as well, and she also mentions if things are funny. So we're basically the same person.
1: Are you saying you laugh at your own jokes? I don't know if I've ever noticed that. (laughs) Well,
0: I'm assuming that you try to edit them out. Oh, well, we'll. I mean,
1: uh, it's an uphill battle. You will laugh. Funny. You will you will see a joke or a simulation of a joke, and you will laugh and you will say, ha, 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 "That's funny," just to kind of remind us all that. No, really, I I'm I'm humorous. It's a habit. It's I'm sorry. So weird. The,
0: I am who I am,
1: <laughs> and we love you for it. <laughs>
0: I did end up like taking her all around, and I'm pretty comfortable with having a camera with me. Uh, she does not give a shit. So I brought the uh, Graflex pacemaker Ooh. and shot a couple four by fives. I also took her to the Tehachapi Loop, like a good foamer. Yes, absolutely. And, I want to
1: get there someday.
0: Oh my God. Okay. So I absolutely love the Tehachapi mm-hmm. Loop. I probably shouldn't, but I fucking do. <laughs> Why shouldn't I am you? Into it. Why
1: shouldn't you like it?
0: Yeah, it's epic. If you guys don't know what it is, look it up. <laughs> <laughs> and you should know this. So I took her up there, and I was like hyping it up, and we we're so excited. And we get there, and it's completely foggy. I can see possibly like five to ten feet visibility in front of me. You can't see barely the front of the tracks it was ridiculous and I was like okay so this is the loop it's there you're just gonna have to believe me and it's such a sight to see and it was so disappointing uh so she just got back in the car went on YouTube and watched a train go through the loop and she's like oh yeah that is cool
1: (laughs) (laughs) well you gotta do what you gotta do I guess Exactly.
0: So I turned 39 last Monday. Happy and, birthday, um, by
1: the way. Oh, thank you.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not happy or sad. Um, I kind of feel like like I'm slowly ripping a band-aid off. Just rip it off. Can I just be 40 already? Because this like, 39 bullshit is stupid. Like I just want to get to where I need to go right now. And I think it's 40. I'm excited about my 40s because... I remember being excited about my 30s after being 20 and poor. So 40 and poor sounds awesome. Let's do this. (laughs) It's
1: it's all circular. 40s aren't so bad. I mean, I think I'm excited. I
0: don't I like I like my age uh, every year, ever since I was. A young kid, I was like, I'm never going to be nine ever again. I'm never going to have single digits. It's going to be double digits from here on in, like always in the back of my mind. Ever since I was a young kid, I was like, I'm never going to be this age again. I should enjoy it. That's true. So, yeah, I just try to enjoy every bit of it. I'm not really scared. If anything, as the years go on, I care less about what people think of me, and I'm more confident in myself and my decisions.
1: So, I mean, (laughs) getting old is great. And with each generation, I think 40 (laughs) is younger in a way. Yeah. Like when my parents were 40, I mean, they weren't old by any any stretch, you know? But Mm -hmm. there was definitely a, like, a over the hill kind of thing. And no, that's just not, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's even a thing anymore.
0: My oldest brother is like 52 or 53, mm-hmm. and he's younger than all of us. Like it's, yeah. We're all kind of like that. I don't think we ever grow no. up. <laughs> no, we don't. Okay, so that's how I've been doing. I'm so fucking excited to start this, but before we can start,
1: I want to know what the hell you've been up to. Well, I guess with one of the dev parties, if you've been listening, uh, I've been shooting Vanya's Blood 500C, and not not having the greatest time in the world with it. And I don't mind the quirks. I have, you know, I, I shoot the RB67 and that's that's just a camera made of quirks. And I'm getting used to the house, I'm going out with it fairly often, like almost every week, at least once or twice a week. I, I like it, I, I shot in Seattle Art Museum and I'm actually really, I really enjoyed the photos I took with them. I I shot HP5 or it's, it's I'm sorry, it's Ilford, so HP5. At 3,200, I pushed the hell out of it. And still some of the photos were a little dark. I developed it in, I don't know, HC, Montana probably. And I like it, hey. I, I I did some very interesting things. I was shooting people, but I never do. And so I just had a really good time.
0: Yeah, those those images were incredible. I was like, wait, were these taken on your phone and you turned them black and white or something? What are you doing? And you're like, no. <laughs> You're like, we're almost like
1: how <laughs> the, picture, dare the you? pictures from the Hazelblood were so good, I thought they were taken on a cell phone.
0: Well, no, it's not that. <laughs> it was just that they were people. And I was like, he would never shoot people. Why would he take pictures of people
1: with with film? I don't I was, know. Well, I was that's, okay, I, I do know. Well, I wasn't gonna take I wasn't gonna take it at all. I was just gonna go to the museum and it was an Imogen Cunningham exhibit. I'll get to that in a second. Mm-hmm. And I was just gonna go there and I was just gonna enjoy the the show. I was gonna be with three other people. And one of them says, Hey, are you gonna are you gonna take a camera? I'm like, No, of course not. And she was like, Well, I'm gonna take my Hasselblad. No, her Rolly. And I was like, Well, maybe I will. Maybe I will then. And it was a little bit of a competition and not like in help, not in like a, a real way. But there was like a little bit of, well, I'm going to do this. I kind of challenge you to do this. And so I, I did it. And her pictures are really wonderful. My pictures are passable. And I'm pretty stoked, pretty stoked about it. Uh, That's good. About the photos. I really, I would rather have shot them Mamiya.
0: Mia. Well, you got the Keeve uh, viewfinder on I it do. now. Yeah. I- so you're that. <laughs> Twenty pound weight that was the uh, prism finder is not on there anymore. So it must have been actually pretty, pretty light. Uh, The fifty that's on there is really big. So if you got just like a smaller lens, that thing would be just like would just fit perfect in your hand. It would.
1: It's a really nice camera. I mean, yeah, hot take. Hasselblads are good cameras. (laughs) So, oh, but speaking of things that are good, I did, I did, like I said, went to the Imogen Cunningham exhibit and her. Photography. I hadn't really been that familiar with it before. And oh my goodness, really, really great photography, wonderful portraits, a lot of weird pastoral type, like ethereal pastoral photos that were taken around Seattle. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty thrilled with that. A lot of stuff from Mount Rainier. There's a lot of like celebrity portraits, but she was always, well, during the show, there was a constant video, almost like a slideshow of her photos being projected onto the wall with her speaking over it, explaining the photos. And so to be able to listen to Cunningham talk about her work was, I mean, honestly worth it. Seeing her photos was was great, obviously. But hearing her talk about them and just how nonchalant she was about them, just like, like it, it was a, she was, do you remember when we went to the Laura Webb Nichols' Uh, Museum or the museum with Laura Web Nichols show in it. And her friend talked to us a little bit and how Uh she talked about Laura just being, not really finding like uh, words to explain her art, but just like, these are just pretty. I wanna take a picture of it because I like it. And it Uh really struck me like that. It was just, I'm taking these pictures because I like them, not because it's some larger symbolic thing necessarily, or there's more going on. It was just, these are beautiful pictures and I'm here to capture that. And Mm -hmm. I really, I mean, you know, I really relate to that. I'm trying to expand my mind and maybe get a bigger vocabulary to talk about these things. But hearing that was just really, really wonderful. How long did she photograph? Her whole life, right? Her whole life, really. Uh, She photographed 1910, apparently, she started photographing. And she was in her Mm. 90s when she she died and she stopped. Nothing stopped her apart from death. So, wow. yeah. Yeah. I mean, an amazing life, never never wealthy and never wanting to be wealthy. Just wanted mm-hmm. to get her work out there and I really relate to that. That's
0: Well, and she was she was a very important figure in the community. Yeah. She was part of the clubs and everything. Yeah, she was right? part of
1: the F64 club with Ansel Adams and uh the the California photographers. <laughs> yeah, I don't oh, chalky white, milky white and a white somebody i don't know there's a bunch of them there were a bunch of them I, I can't remember names i'm sure they're all important i've also been shooting dry plates finally <gasps> Motherfucking finally J lane dry plates i i shot i think five of them four of them came out two of them actually came out i guess yay they are old i, I got the plates with brandy uh, brandy film diary of a redhead Back in 2017 or something, we were in Portland. Oh, my goodness. And so they've been sitting in my fridge this whole time. And it shows. <laughs> they, it, they have reduced, like, I guess they're two, I, uh, two ISO. And I was shooting yeah. them at two and very little came out. And so I shot them at 0.75, which is a, a wonderful ISO to shoot at. If you want to really experience photography, shoot something at 0.75 ISO. nothing like it so I did I shot uh one of the scenes in Seattle that I often shoot but I also photographed um I was going down an alley kind of frustrated there was nothing for me to shoot and I found two engines two locomotives just sitting there a BNSF but in front of it an old Burlington Northern and I was like oh I'm gonna capture this with the alley and it came out so good I really loved it
0: Burlington Northern, do they still run or is it just sitting there? Yeah, it
1: still runs. It's still, I mean, it's technically BNSF. The BN in BNSF is Burlington Northern.
0: <gasps>
1: you didn't know wow. that?
0: I didn't. Oh. Sorry, I'm not a good filmer. Are... I'm just I'm just figuring it out. That's okay. okay.
1: That's all right. We won't hold it against <laughs> you too much.
0: Uh, really quick about the dry plates. So we'll probably end up doing a dev party. So I'm assuming you're going to be shooting some more. Of course. Okay, good. Just okay. turn it.
1: Each episode, we mean to rewrite this introduction, but instead we put on our house slippers and cozy cardigans and check our answering machine, whatever that means. We ask our listeners to call in and leave us a message answering whatever weird-ass question we come up with. And by call in, we mean leave us a voice message on Instagram. Vanya, what was our question this time around?
0: I mean, if you want, we can change it. I mean, We will. Come into the house, get your... Corn cob pipe and your smoking jacket. You go into the study and check the so answering it's just machine. Whatever. Rewrite.
1: For some reason, we still need to be entering the house. This this mythical house.
0: Yes, because that's what you do when you check the answering machine. It's like, do you
1: really like get like like comfy clothes on to check the answering machine?
0: Okay, when I come home, I take off my outside clothes and I put my inside clothes on, which is like cozy. No one wants to wear jeans around the house. No, people who wear, and je- do people who wear with jeans, with jeans indoors, on.
1: like in their house. No, and just like lounge around in jeans. No. What the fuck is up with that? <laughs> Why it's do you wrong. do that? You don't need to do Leggings, that. Leggings,
0: sweats, you're, something cozy. You're an adult. Something soft. Dress how you want, except for jeans in a house. Exactly. <laughs> don't do that. So yes, when I come home, one of the first things I do is like, well, wash my hands because I'm not a fucking animal. And then I go change and then I check my answering machine. You don't have an answering machine. Okay, well, I would if it was still 1990.
1: <laughs> All right, just push the fucking button. Wait, did you even say what the, the question was? No.
0: <laughs> Tell him the question. <laughs> Which sounds? <sighs> that was weird. Did I say shout? You said like, shouts.
1: Yeah. I did. N- Not a word. Okay. So uh, do another take on that. This time use words.
0: Which sounds do you most associate with your photography?
1: Here we are. Push the fucking button. I'm sorry, your call cannot be completed as dialed. Please hang up and check the number and dial again or ask information operator for assistance.
0: This is a recording.
1: So, dumpsterflower here. Dumpster underscore flower, all lowercase, on the Instagram. Um, I feel as if the absence of sound affects me more. Like, I, I like to shoot when it's really quiet. I prefer it being quiet. and Because I need to hear... My camera film advance and I need to twist the knobs myself on some of my cameras and so I need that auditory experience to remind myself of what's going on. Um, like I did a photo walk over the weekend and some of it was a little unnerving because of just everything that was going on. It takes me out of the shooting experience. It was nice to meet people don't get me wrong but I really need things to be still. If I'm taking stills, if that makes any sense,,
0: yeah, that makes complete sense. We'll be talking about this later, and I forced Eric to let me talk about <laughs> this specific thing, so I am so glad that that dempster flower called
1: well i don't I think that's still important though I think he's 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 saying he needs silence, but that's that's not quite what he's saying. He's saying that he needs to hear his camera, yeah. And I think that's that's kind of cool in a way.
0: Well, yeah, it's the distraction of people um, around you.
1: Yes, I definitely feel that. If I were shooting in like a large, um, like a large photo walk, I would have I would take very different pictures than I normally would. Maybe for different reasons because I don't think I have cameras that I need to listen to. Kind of, there is a little caveat there, which I think we'll get into.
0: Well, I mean, we did do a photo walk and we trailed behind everybody. Also, because I'm slow and I broke my camera on the first picture, but it's for the most part, those, uh, the walks, you, you kind of trail off a little and you, you get your time alone when you need to.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: This is John Gleason or provisphotos.com. All my photographs have some form of sound implied in the movement within the pinhole photographs, be it a rustle of leaves gentle breeze, moving the trees, or people, or movement of cars. I feel it adds to the ethereal feeling of my photographs and images. Thanks for sharing my work. Take care. You all rock.
1: Well, we we certainly try. (laughs) With, like, shooting pinhole, you do a lot like a large format. It's You have to slow down, and, and pinhole means you stop, really. Mm-hmm. And I think when you don't have much to do,
0: <laughs> well you have a tripod to set up, you have metering to figure out, I think, for the most
1: part right but while the while the while the paper or the film is exposing, it's a lot of time there with a the pinhole some sometimes depending on the scene. there's a lot of sound to listen to hmm have you've shot pinhole, haven't you? No, weird. I haven't either.
0: Oh, it's on is it? yes. We're gonna make pinhole f- cameras, basically.
1: Uh, well, speak for yourself.
0: No, I wanna make one like out of a weird thing that I found, fa- like, I don't know, like a stuffed animal or some shit.
1: Yeah, do it. Or my car. <laughs> you definitely do that.
0: <laughs> Heyo, Jonas A.K. Colomaton here. Uh, what role sound makes it uh, in photography? I don't really know, but I have a project I've been thinking for about for years. Uh, shooting pinhole photography I'd like to record sounds uh, as I do the exposure uh, as long as the exposure is and have that along with the picture in some way I haven't figured it out but I can't stop thinking about it Well (laughs) that's the only thing I got
1: stay cool kids, bye sorry it was great (laughs) to hear from him again Yes. Absolutely. And I love the idea. Well, I guess if you do like long exposures, if you're just doing like one 500th of a second, it doesn't really matter. That's mm-hmm. really cool. What a great idea.
0: Yeah. I had kind of something similar to that. I never did. I might not because it's kind of a pain in the ass, but uh, there's a green belt in El Segundo with a ton of electric wires. Oh, right. I live on the other side. I live ne- across the street from the airport. And so there's planes constantly um, flying out. And at there's a couple areas on the greenbelt, if you look up in a specific spot, there is like four or five lines. And then when a plane will go through, it looks like uh, like a note. I was like, I'm gonna sit here for a month and take a bunch of pictures of planes and then make a piece of music with it. So it would be the planes as notes and then you would see <laughs> see that on the wall, and then and then there would be the music that would it would play. It'd probably sound like shit, honestly, but it would be kind of cool just to experiment. Yeah. So if anybody wants to help me with that, <laughs> I need a lot of help and encouragement and coffee.
1: Hello, Vania, Eric, and everybody listening in. My name is Ryan Farmer, and I've been recording little 20 to 30 second snippets of the audio of whatever I'm shooting from time to time, and I want to put this together with some sort of project where the reader of, like, a coffee table book can pull up the link on the phone and hear what I was listening to while I was shooting. Now, I've tried this on Instagram, and the quality of the photo goes down when I run it through any app that puts them together, unfortunately. Um, But I'd love some input on ways I can use this media and turn it into something creative. Thank you.
0: I got a zine like that recently.
1: You did? Well, sort of. It was music, right?
0: Yes. Yeah, so there was like a QR code, I think, on each page, and he just picked a song for each of his photos, but still something similar to that. I don't have synesthesia, but I can see the connection between colors and sound, and not just the noise of a Kodak Gold photo or something really busy and bright. But what I'm thinking of is when I do color shifts or add color filters to my photos, it's making them loud the way that a McDonald's dining room is loud, and hopefully has some kind of subconscious effect, and hopefully a more positive one than a fast food dining room. I am so happy that Robert still calls. I always enjoy, I, as soon as I see his name on the screen, I'm like, oh good, Robert's going to say
1: something. This is going to be interesting and fun. You know, We, we say loud colors. Mm-hmm. Now they don't really make a sound, but there's something about them that is auditory. And I mm-hmm. think that's really kind of cool. I didn't even think of that, that he's thinking more along the lines of colors, like maybe heavily saturated and heavily contrasted. Mm-hmm. And and bright, I suppose. Hmm. I would never would have made that connection, but I mean, it's Robert, so I'm <laughs> not incredibly surprised he's the one who did.
0: Could you pick a color right now and tell me what it would sound like?
1: No. Okay.
0: While music definitely plays a larger part when I do shoot my photos, my answer to this question would be a little different. I find specifically for night photography, it is the lack of sound that affects my photos that I take at night. There's just something about um, abandoned or like busy streets that are empty and the silence that you hear when you shoot at night that I think comes through with the night photos that i take
1: i haven't done a ton of shooting at night and it's something i've been meaning to do i've been really wanting to get out at night and do that and i know that you know, I'm, I'm up in the morning at four and i'm at work by like four thirty. so i do know like the dead of the dead of night at that 4 is really the dead of night but you know that that sound is different there's more of an echo to it there's more there's
0: yeah, there's more space, like empty space instead of filled space. Things for sounds to bounce off of.
1: There is, and there's just more sound, like more chance for the sound or a sound to really take center stage. You don't have buses and and people walking around and 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 the million other city noises that there are.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You've got one sound at a time, pretty much, and it's very different.
0: Yeah, I looking forward to recording this episode when I, I walked down the trail to surf in the dark and, um, I sent you a clip. I was like, I don't think he's going to get it because there's no reception down here, but I'm going to send it anyway. just a case. And it was just a black screen, but you can hear the ocean in the background and it's just so lovely.
1: <laughs> it was that. Okay. This is our last one. Oh, it, it'll be okay.
2: I guess I don't really think about sound within the moment when I take a photograph, but it's always linked up to certain ones that I hold dear to my heart. Um, One of them being a shot that I've taken of my grandfather looking over at my brother and they're both laughing. Um, That one, just the memory and the sound of their laughter and just the bird's Singing in the trees, the wind blowing. Um, I remember pretty much all the sounds that go along with that photograph. Um, that being said, more often than unless there's some kind of audio audio cue, I don't really focus on that. I guess, and then within the moment, so I'm kind of useless at answering this question. I guess so.
0: No, absolutely not. I think you are dead on. What a amazing thing to be able to look at a photo and not only remember that moment that you took it, but the sounds in the background and how it how it sounded, how it smelt, how it felt the weather that day. Like there's so much sensory going on and we're just looking at it with our eyes and our brain is
1: kind of it's filling in. the creating, Yeah, it's like really what- cool. What would he have remembered about that day if he didn't have that photo? True. Would he remember that sound? hmm You know, I don't think so. Maybe. I mean,
0: I mean, if you try hard enough, maybe. But yeah, it, it it is great because there are those moments in your life that seem so maybe minuscule, but when it's captured, it makes you kind of uh, be a little bit more mindful of it.
1: It really does. So thank you, everybody, for calling in. We really do appreciate it. It's just kind of awesome to hear from everybody. I think it's very awesome to hear from everybody. And the question for next episode, Vanya, what is that?
0: How do you stop yourself from taking the same pictures over and over?
1: That's the the million-dollar question there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Vanya and I have been kicking around the idea of making a playlist that's just this comprised entirely of songs about photography. Now it's really tempting to have like Centerfold and and uh, Girls on Film and, and The Cure's Pictures of You and all that, and those are all great songs, I guess. Well, two out of three ain't bad. Not the song, just the idea. But we haven't done that yet. So what we're doing is. Once in a while, we're going to have a segment that's just highlighting a couple of those songs that's kind of in our heads that, like, oh, it is about photography, or or not, but pretty close. So do you want to go first, or would you like me to go first on this one? You
0: know, if you want, I'll just, I'm going to just come out and say it. Okay. Um, I did not follow the assignment, <laughs> of course. Uh, okay.
1: All right. <laughs> so, yeah, so, my- I-
0: my pick isn't really, like, about photography, per se, but um, kind of. <laughs> okay, what What song have you picked for us to listen to? I picked the song The Argus by Ween. Okay,
1: well, that makes sense. Argus was a, a camera company. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Yeah, so it kind of, I was like, okay, Argus, it's got to be about the camera, right? Well, not exactly. <laughs> um. That basically opened up a whole can of worms because, you know, I open cans of worms now, I guess. We might think an Argus is a that boxy brick C3 camera that Argus put out back in the day. Sure. I didn't actually study Greek mythology in school, so I was kind of completely blown away when I found all this Argus stuff.
1: <laughs> what Argus stuff have you found?
0: Okay, so there are many examples of the word Argus, but for this particular song, I'm going to be focusing on Argus Panoptes, okay. meaning bright or clear, and Panoptes, meaning all seeing or many eyed, or my favorite, a hundred eyes uh, that were all over his body, this giant.
1: <laughs> but the song is actually about this Argus, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it okay. Is.
0: Another mythological creature, Hera, she was the goddess of women and childbirth, and she was also one of Zeus's wives. Uh, She ordered Argus to watch over this white heifer, which was believed to be a nymph who uh, her name was Lo, and Zeus was like soups attracted to her.
1: (laughs) Zeus into cows. Got it.
0: And Hera kind of like knew what was up basically. So she was like, hey, can I like get this heifer as a gift? And he was like, yeah, sure, okay. So (laughs) Argus was kind of like everything to Hera. He did everything. Uh, He was just like this big giant with a hundred eyes all over his body. So what, what a perfect person to ask to watch over. The heifer, The heifer was tied to a olive tree, and Argus would sit there and with his watchful eyes make sure that uh, basically Zeus wouldn't come and turn it back into Lo. So Argus was later killed by Hermes, who was sent by Zeus. Lo was actually liberated, and she was allowed to walk the earth again as a person and not a cow, uh, but was, tormented by a gadfly for the rest of her life aren't we all yes
1: (laughs) i think so (laughs) one fucking person
0: so my favorite part of this story is from a roman poet named ovid and he writes hera had the hundred eyes of argus preserved on a peacock's tail to commemorate her faithful (laughs) watchman
1: okay well that's the story of argus so what's the song
0: well, so the song actually is about Argus Panoptes and a lot of the lyrics are about his watchful eyes and a lot about compassion and love, which is like wonderful. Also, it's like kind of a crazy like for for ween it's okay. It's odd for ween, okay? I don't, I know that sounds odd to say that, but it is. It's, it's a very
1: normal-sounding like, song. It's you, a
0: normal-sounding yeah. song, but beautiful. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a great song. This is from a Argus, uh, the Argus appreciation thread. Can we take a moment to appreciate what is, in my opinion, the greatest song ever written and my personal favorite song on or off of this planet? The song is perfect. Every single note is perfect any note were different, the song would have not been perfect. Therefore, the song is perfect. Feel free to agree with me in the comments. Thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) I adore that. So I do have some lyrics, and I'm assuming that you probably will um, put them in as well. But these are some that really stood out to me. And the Argus is practiced Argus is compassion, is practiced, with, an eye, on you, as with an eye on you, as one is on me, will the God I grant his forgiveness, letting droplets of light erupt from the sea. Awesome. So you, you listened to the song too. I did. Um, and we did kind of have a conversation about like what the meaning was but there are a lot of people that have a lot of opinions about this song and i am kind of just gonna leave it at that okay
1: well it's it's not uh, not really a song about photography but it is a song about eyes and of course so i guess we'll let it slip yeah yeah
0: well I I guess I didn't mention this, but I didn't realize uh, how many things were named after him as well. Uh, There's reptiles and moths and butterflies and basically anything that has like eye shapes on them Mm -hmm. has something Argus in the name. Mm -hmm. And so it just makes sense. I'm like, oh, Argus, like, okay, like seeing eye, that makes all seeing. That's a great name for a camera company. Okay. So I'm sure you're gonna give me a C because I didn't follow directions, you did but not let's, follow directions,
1: uh, <laughs> but we're gonna let you in anyway.
0: Oh good. Alright. What's your pick?
1: Well, I went more traditional. Photograph of, of you by Depeche Mode. Now this is not <laughs> not a beloved song, I will tell you that. According to Slicing Up Eyeballs, it is the 117th greatest depeche mode song, or like the 45th worst or something. Oh, they, my
0: gosh. Yeah, I
1: know. It's from the album Broken Frame. was their second album. It was recorded right after Vince Clark left. Vince Clark went on to form, like, Erasure and, and Yazoo and some just amazing, amazing bands. So it it does still have uh, that that older Depeche Mode feel. I guess young Depeche Mode feel. It's very young. It's very poppy. It feels like a song from Speak and Spell, the mm-hmm. first album. And it's kind of out of place on Broken Frame, which had, like, single See You and Leave in Silence. It's... A very different song. So at the time of its release, the reviews of the album were, people liked it, I guess. You know, reviewers were kind of cool with it. Um, it it came Mixed reviews, though. One reviewer claimed that Broken Frame lacks any clear delineation between tracks, and the whole album sounds just too much like one song. And there was another reviewer who didn't like the album, said, at least here, every song doesn't sound exactly the same. So, you know, two incredibly opposite <laughs> opinions. And that's Funny. okay. A more modern reviewer, and we all like we all can go to we can turn to modern reviewers for old albums so they can wax philosophic about things they probably would have hated at the time. And probably. it says of the song Photograph of You. Nothing good. It says a photograph of you is almost up there with what's your name in the Depeche Mode Hall of Shame. The lyrics are just dreadful, quote. <gasps> What good is a photograph of you when all it does is make me feel blue, and the synth sounds and that <clears throat> and the synth sounds that play the melodies sound laughably cheesy, like what you'd hear at an arcade game, and just when you think it couldn't get any worse, it has a horrible cringeworthy middle eight where there is an ultra cheesy whistle melody yuck, thank goodness it's only a short song
0: I... that is so mean also. Bro, the arcade sounds were like legit in
1: the '80s. Okay, they, they so were. back, back off. <laughs> but yeah, I couldn't disagree. Yeah, it is a cheesy song, but it's mm-hmm. cute.
0: It shows. Yeah, about, like,
1: well, like, Martin Gore had to write all of the own, his own songs here, and he was kind of just growing up, and it's very much that. All the other songs like really serious, but this one's like, yeah. what well, good is a photograph of you? Every time I look at it, it makes me feel blue. That's great! It is. It's wonderful. And it, it in the chorus, he says, I wish I could tear it up, but then again, I don't have the guts. And I wish I could throw it on the fire. I wish I could. I, but, I wish I could <laughs> but to say I would, I'd be a liar. Fucking horrible lyrics. But no, they're amazing. We and that's not really uh, a song that we could even like relate to at this point. We don't. Yeah. We don't really have printed pictures.
0: Have you ever torn up or burned a photo of an ex or someone you didn't like?
1: No. Really? Yeah, I've never ever. I've never done that. I've never torn up a picture.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. I assume Um, you have.
0: Yeah, probably. Uh, Definitely burned tons of pictures. Uh, Me and my friend Nikki used to. draw pictures of people that were like mean to us mm-hmm. and when it was like our time to cut like firewood we'd go outside and put them on the firewoods and then split it open <laughs> <laughs> so that's healthy
1: okay yeah yeah that's a coping thing that's cool yeah that's cool. Fun.
0: and i was really good at it
1: <laughs> no doubt not anymore now depeche mode has another song that's that's very much about photography and we'll get to that one at some point i suppose that's from the first album but i think i think i really like this segment i like we both love music more than anything and we've got i've i've got anyway i do have a playlist of of photography songs it's on my it's on my spotify uh it's i'm sure it's findable if you look up maybe my instagram There's a link to it or something. I don't know.
0: Yeah, well, just post it on here. I I have, I'm making one too, but I also pick songs in our playlist that are directly related to
1: photography because
0: of whatever we decided
1: (laughs) for whatever reason. Now, this is a pretty typical photography song. It is. It's, it's, the photography songs are basically, I have a picture of you and it's not good enough. Mm-hmm. There's no. And I miss you.
0: Uh, yeah, or I'm heartbroken like, about it.
1: There's, there's, I can't think of any, any photography song that's just like I've got a picture of you. I'm good. So this won't be a regular segment. I mean, every episode, but once in a while, we'll drop in and check out a couple more songs. Thank you for listening.
0: Jordan Tiberio grew up in Rochester and began seriously shooting photography at age 15. Through her work, she strives to find the odd in the ordinary. Her work, which is mostly in color, walks a thin line between timeless reality and beautiful fantasy. She's done commercial work for The New Yorker, Vox, Teen Vogue, and Refinery29. Jordan is also a collector of vintage and antique photos, and we'll talk to her about that too. So let's give Jordan a call. Oh. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Hello. Hi. How are you? <laughs> good. How are you?
1: Good.
3: Good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for, for having me.
1: Well, thanks for I coming mean, on. Yeah. Yes.
0: Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Let's just go ahead and start off. Um, So, Jordan, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Can you tell us and our listeners just a little bit about yourself and how you kind of found yourself uh, in photography? Yeah.
3: So, hi. My name is Jordan Tiberio. I'm a freelance photographer living in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, I grew up in Rochester, New York, which is the birthplace of Kodak. So I sort of had a a lot of rich history in um, my upbringing when it comes to photography. Um, I started taking pictures at 15 and then went on to study photography um, at the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York City, where I received my BFA. So um, a few years after that, I started um, my freelance career, which is what I still do to this
0: day perfect impressive <laughs> impressive that is a
1: tight bio <laughs> wow okay so um so getting into your actual photo you know into the photos you take now yeah as a whole they they tell stories it's kind of your thing mm-hmm. what kind of stories do you like to tell with your photos yeah
3: i would say that the sort of stories i like to tell are kaleidoscopic ones in nature i'm they're always changing and they're never really the same a lot of My work um, is different, but you can tell it's taken by the same photographer. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of them, the stories I like to tell are reminiscent of my childhood and innocence, and which gives them sort of just a natural nostalgic feeling to them. Um, I think that they're sensitive stories, but they're romantic and ethereal, and they're quiet, and they're layered, and they're always colorful. Color is really important to me and to my work.
1: Yeah, you don't do much black and white, really.
3: No, I did a lot of it when I was in college um, because I had access to a dark room where I could process my own film, which saved me a lot of money as a poor college kid. Mm -hmm. Um, But after that, uh, I sort of just went and stuck with color because I've always just loved it, whether it's like decorating my house with a ton of colorful, crazy objects or just my wardrobe itself is full of vintage and pattern and color. Love it.
1: (laughs) You're mentioning how they're, they're kind of out of time a little bit, your photos, or they're kind of without an era. Mm-hmm. Uh, why is that important?
3: Mainly this comes from just my own personal taste and interest and style. Um, growing up, I went to antique stores a lot with my mom and my sisters, um, and it's still something that I do to this day. If this was a video podcast, you would see my <laughs> crazy apartment full of antiques and objects and old books. Um, And what I always just like still love about antique stores and loved about them when I was a kid was they just possess a conglomerate of a bunch of different eras. So like one second, you're looking at something from the 1970s and then beside that is something that's from the Victorian era. And then you're like thrown back to the 1930s with another object and sort of it's just this whiplash of time. And for me, I could never settle and choose just like one Particular era that I liked, so I would always settle for this just like place that you can't define. That's just a bunch of different time periods existing beside one another, um, mm-hmm. so in like this like beautiful harmony. Um, and so I think that like my imagery as well is sort of like a collage of time and an homage to the past. As a kid, I, I was always super artistic and I loved art class. But history was also something that I was really interested in. Um, so with photography, I feel like I can travel through time and bring these like pieces from the past back and like add a little bit of a modern twist to them so you know you're at least like somewhere in present day, <laughs> um, which I also think just kind of goes against the grain in a way I don't like to do, or I try not to do things that are like in style <laughs> necessarily, Because, sure. uh, but I also kind of ride this thin line of nostalgia and kitsch and it can be a thin one. Um, so I just don't like to shoot in the same style that everyone
0: else is, um,
3: and try to do my own, my own unique thing. I love that.
0: (laughs) And we're definitely going to talk about both your uh, digital and film. Uh, But first, how involved is your, uh, is the planning of your photography, uh, personal and professional?
3: Yeah. Um, so I very rarely go into a shoot without some semblance of a plan, especially, of course, on a job. But even on my personal work, I like to always be pretty prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I make a lot of mood boards, even for shoots that haven't come to be yet. Um, I've been collecting imagery on my computer and physical things since I was a teenager in high mm-hmm. school, which is always really funny to like go back and see what I saved when I was a junior in high school and what I thought was really cool <laughs> and inspiring. <laughs> and then like, Looking at what I like now um, is always, like, fun to do. I've saved those folders. Um, But also, like, the physical things I collect. I collect a lot of old vintage magazines and vintage magazine covers. Like, Life Magazine is always one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. Um, Victorian trading cards and advertising cards and vernacular photography, which we'll get into. We will. Um, (laughs) So I always like to print something out with me as well, um, even if it's just pose direction, because I like my models or my subjects to be informed, so they're not going into something blind. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I struggle with like describing things in words, so it's easier for me to talk in pictures and kind of give a mood or a vibe for what I'm going for. Um, and then if I'm going on a job for a client or someone who doesn't know me or my work, Um, a lot of times we'll be going off of something I did in the past. And so I'll print out or bring some of my work and say like, oh, this is what I've done before. So they know that I'm sort of, you know, reliable (laughs) and I know what I'm doing. Um, sometimes though, uh, I'll just work off of a location that I find. Um, I like to do a lot of like scouting of locations and, and, interesting spots. Um, and then sort of the rest will come to me when I'm there with a person, um, I like to collaborate a lot with my environment, like for example, last springtime it was sort of like the real first real shoot that I did post pandemic with like people yes. in a space um And one of my friends, uh, she owns a vintage clothing store in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. And uh, her and her husband started renting a house out in Pennsylvania during the pandemic that was three stories. It was huge. It was full of like old floral wallpaper and hardwoods and colored carpets. And she just knew that I needed to come out there and like play around. Good friend. Um, Yeah, an amazing friend. She's helped me so much. Um, And so she sent me some pictures of the space, but I really just went out there with my friend and I went there the day before so I could sort of like scout it out, but it was sort of just a good practice of getting back into shooting and being with other humans and, and making work and just having fun. And of course, like there are pros and cons with working that way. Um, cause I didn't like bring really any props and I just solely shot with my friend and like my friend's vintage clothing collection that I didn't really know what I would have access to at the time. Um, (laughs) so of course I'll, I'll look at those things and after the fact, I'll look at the pictures and be like, Oh, well I could, I wish I did this or I wish I did that. But that just sort of happens naturally Mm -hmm. all the time. So
0: yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. (sighs) Well, with all the planning and all the scouting, you have an idea in your head, but sometimes when you get there, Things aren't as you want them, things go wrong, mishaps, and the weather. Mm-hmm. How do you incorporate that? How do you deal with that?
3: Yeah, I actually have a pretty good example mm-hmm. of um, how this happened to me. So, this was on another shoot I did last year. Um, last spring, I was on assignment for an architecture design firm in Sharon, Connecticut called Hendricks Churchill. So, it's a husband and wife duo. The wife, Heidi, is the interior designer and the husband, Rafe, is the architect. And it was to go to their home and photograph like a day in the life of a designer and their family in the space that they live in. Um, and so for anyone who lives on the northeast coast, you'll know that like the weather is still unpredictable Unpredictable come May. Um, so it was early May and it was going to be cold, but I thought that it would be like a bright sunny day regardless. So we get there, we're shooting some work inside the house, and then we are going to go outdoors to create some more work. And while we're finishing up one of the last portraits for the inside of the house, I look out the window, and it's snowing. And I was like, okay, well, this wasn't in the plan. So we spent like a few minutes sort of just waiting to see if it would pass. And while I was passing time, I was just looking out the window, and there was this tree in the side of their yard alongside their um, driveway that just stood out perfectly against this like vast... Landscape of their home um, because of the snow. And so I had asked Rafe if he could go outside and just stand underneath this tree. And like it just sort of transformed into like an Andrew Wyeth painting, like in front of my eyes. And like if the snow wasn't there, I don't think I would have thought to take this picture. And it definitely wouldn't have the same sort of feeling. And Mm so it sort of, for me, proved that like nasty weather can end up working to your advantage and like giving you an image you otherwise would have never thought of. Um, So you just have to be really flexible and able to think on the fly. And most of my work is shot outside or with daylight in my studio. It's just always the way I like to work. So I've needed to learn how to adapt and problem solve on the fly. Um, Sometimes that means to reshoot, like if it's for a personal thing, but I rarely have had to do that just because I like to make the most of a situation. And I feel like I've had enough practice collaborating with the sun and mother nature. So hmm.
0: <laughs> <This is> lovely. lovely <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> oh, yeah, as a collaboration. Yeah. I like that with the objects that you have around you. They're mostly antique. Mm-hmm. How does your immediate life affect your, your work?
3: Yeah. So it's always been a mix. Like when it, the objects in my life are one thing, but like personal life experiences and, and the real people in my lives have always played an influence but it's fluctuated so like in 2007 when i was 15 i started making pictures until i graduated in 2011 Um, i was shooting a lot on my mom's old 35 millimeter slr canon camera so shooting a lot of 35 millimeter film of my cousins and my sisters my friends and my house Um, so I was, but I was very interested in the make believe as well. I was like obsessed with Tim Walker and he was like my favorite photographer. And one of the few that I knew when I was in high school, because I didn't really have a photography class. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was just like teaching myself through Flickr and Tumblr, like about the history of photography. Um, and then when I moved on to college, going to FIT, they made us try everything. So we had to try documentary. We had to try advertising and fashion and portraiture to sort of like Find our footing and, and see what we really liked as photographers and artists. Um, and I, I enjoyed documenting my, my real life, but I would always do like a twist on it, like a fine art edge, because I could just never be interested enough in just like straight documentary. Documentary, um, and like the first real project that I worked on that was inspired by something that was, like, real and I was experiencing. Um, It's still on my website. It's the oldest work on my website. It's a project called Lacuna that I shot entirely on the Hasselblad doing double exposures on black and white film, processing it myself in the college darkroom. Um, I had found the the technique. It's this, like, weird double exposure technique from this um, vintage photography textbook that my childhood best friend gave me. And it's a way to... um, look, make bodies look like they're fading away and disappearing. And Mm -hmm. I had uh, experienced my first real like heartache and loss in my (laughs) little life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was like, okay, like I'm going to channel this pain through art. And, um, it was just like a way for me to sort of conceptualize memory and loss and heartache, um, through film and photography. Um, and then when I graduated, you know, from like 2015 to 2019, I worked on a bunch of different projects, Um, pulling from my immediate life, whether it was about like growing up in adulthood and being free of education. And like, that's a very strange feeling. And I felt very lost in the world. And then moving on to like talking about um, social media and the effects on the artist and then body image and your body changing as you grow older. Um, But also always doing a lot of just like portraiture and like beauty and fashion sort of work. And then more recently in the past few years, I've kind of struggled a bit with making life about my real life, okay. <laughs> making work about my real life, mm-hmm. um, because I've experienced so much loss that it was easier for me to um, kind of escape into like a fairy tale, dreamlike world instead of confronting like real life pain. Because I also just haven't figured out how to conceptualize it or visualize it, mm-hmm. um, and it's just like a little bit too much to to work on yet through mm-hmm. art, but. So yeah, it, it fluctuates. It's a mix, my my work. Yeah, and I think a lot of what it is that I'm trying to work through is about a past that isn't visually really there. Yeah. Like it's it's about family and trauma. And I don't know how to to visualize that yeah. yet. Um, but it's something that I'm looking forward to experimenting with. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, um turning to Another's Memory, your collection of vintage photographs. Uh, Could you talk a little bit about the collection and how you've come across these photos?
3: Yeah, so I've been collecting vernacular photography since I was um, in my late high school years, but my original collection was really small. It was only a few pictures. um, But in ways, the the inspiration behind the collection started when I was a kid. Um, My Nana, who I've talked about, my mom's mother, has this old tin underneath her couch that's always been there, just full of photographs from the 1930s when her and my papa were born and through until, like, the 1970s, roughly. So it, like, showcases, like, my mom and her four siblings all growing up in the house that my mom, that my nana still lives in that my papa built. And I always was just, like, amazed of this, like, little box of history that I feel really lucky that my family has. Um, and I just loved looking at them, and I still do. Um, So the ones that I have started collecting over the years, um, I find them at estate sales and antique stores and thrift stores and flea markets, Etsy and eBay and also Instagram too. Um, I have a few complete albums um, and I have some early daguerreotypes and tintypes. And I would say that like the date range is probably the late 1800s to the 1970s.
0: Uh, One of the stars of your collection is the Florida Album. How did you come across this and tell us a little bit about it?
3: So the Florida album, I call the Florida album because the cover literally just says souvenirs of Florida. So it's just sort of like, okay, like that's the name to this special thing that I found. So, I found it at the Brooklyn Flea Market in Dumbo um, in October last year when my sister was visiting. Um, she's a big collector too, so we always go to things like that when she comes into town. And she actually found it for me and was like, oh my gosh, you need to look at this thing. So, the, I was looking through it, and the booth owner had told me that he'd had it for a few months now, but that day specifically, he saw the most people picking it up and looking at it. And there was like this sense of urgency of like, okay, I need to, I need to buy this. This needs to be mine. Um, And looking through it, I knew I just, it was meant for me because it was just full of photo booth pictures and it was clearly put together by a teenage girl and showed so much of teenage life from the 1930s, which I had never really found before because a lot of the photo albums I find are, are made by older people or like mothers documenting their children growing up from like infancy into like toddler life and stuff. Like that's pretty much what I've found through these complete photo albums. Um, and then there was like a scrapbook element to it as well. Cause there were a lot of like cutouts. She cut a lot, a lot of her pictures. Um, and it was just full from front to back. Um, mm. I hoped when I brought it home and I would take out the images and scan them all individually. And then I'll scan the pages, how they're initially set up as well. Uh, I hoped that I would I would find her name when I was going through it, but every time I would pull out a picture of her and flip it over, it would just say "me" scribbled on the back of it. Uh, <laughs> oh. So I, her identity, I think, is probably lost to time. But um, it's one of it's probably my favorite that I own. Yeah.
1: Do have you? I mean, there's no context really. You just have this this album in front of you. Have you invented stories for her? Yeah, I've invented some
3: stories in my head. I the I think the saddest thing about the album that I found was. There was a photo booth image early on in the book that had um, one of her friends' names written on the back of it with a date that she was given it. And then later in the album, I found a picture that looked similar to that girl, and it was um, this same girl sitting in a wheelchair. And I pulled the book, the, the picture out, and I looked at the back, and it was the same name, a date about a year later. And oh. – um, giving the date of her passing at the age of 18. Um, And so it was sort of this like heartbreaking, you know, discovery inside this book. And it was like, I think that I posted the, the photo booth and the picture of this girl in a wheelchair on my Instagram. Um, And I think the, the death date was in the late 1930s, if not 1940. And, um, I just thought about how like this girl has been gone for so long and you wonder if like anyone living today or recently has like remembered her her name and so it felt like sort of this sacred little moment to to acknowledge her. (laughs) I'm really sensitive. So no, 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 it's it's sweet. sweet.
1: What do we learn from all of these? Like what do you what did you learn from the Florida album?
3: The Florida album and these other albums that I found has shown me that like objects can lose their meaning and their identity within a generation if they're not passed down and and saved and their significance explained and appreciated. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like finding these albums or even just individual photographs is kind of like saving someone's history and like saying someone's like a long lost soul's name one more time. And Mm -hmm. hopefully that like one day, many years or generations from now, like if my albums are lost to time, like... They could be found by someone who cares and appreciates like the beauty of a life.
1: And of course, on all the on the backs of all the pictures of you, you just wrote me.
3: No, I wrote my name all over it. And I'm like writing very detailed captions.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, we're wrapping up. Is there any projects that you're working on right now that you would like to talk about? I'm wanting to actually make a
3: body of work like a fashion
0: story or a beauty story
3: or two that's inspired solely by vernacular photography. So adding in like the beauty and modern clothing element, but referencing these like old tableaus and like little uh, vignettes. Um, And then I'm also, as we talked about earlier, sort of in the beginning stages of like creating a body of work about family trauma and thinking I'm going to incorporate old family vernacular snapshots and then like meshing them with vintage wallpaper and layering and peeling and covering up and unearthing again um, in that way. So I'm just excited to, to play and experiment. Well,
0: uh, where, can, where can everybody find you?
3: Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at Jordan Tiberio, my name. And then also you can find the um, handle at another's memory to my vernacular photography collection in the bio there, or you can search that separately too.
0: Awesome. And your website's on the top of your Instagram as well. Just JordanTiberio.com. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking with us. We really appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. Thank you so much for having me. Yes,
1: absolutely. Thank you so much.
0: <laughs> All, right. All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>
1: Photography is a visual We look through the viewfinder to take the picture. We view the negatives while scanning and printing. And in the end, we see the final product, the photograph. While our other sensors are there, they're not exactly working overtime.
0: We can feel the weight of the camera, the film while loading in the dark bag, the print in our hands. We can smell the developing chemicals. Just be careful with that. We can taste the nasty lickum strip on old 120 rolls. What role does hearing play in our photography?
1: Sure, we can hear the beautiful click of the shutter and slap of the mirror, but that's basically it. As a photographer, the one sense you could almost do entirely without is hearing.
0: And yet, hearing is such a vital part of our existence. It's arguably the second most utilized sense. The visual takes up 50% of our brain activity and... Touch takes about 10%. Hearing slips around 3%. These are vague numbers that should have huge asterisks after them. And yet, here we are, arguing why hearing is almost vital to photography.
1: In our world of photography, there are two types of photos. Ones that we have taken, and ones that we haven't. And because of this, there are two types of sounds that we'll be talking about. Sounds that we've heard in the field while taking those pictures, and sounds that we can imagine we hear and photos we haven't taken. So we've picked two photos of ours to kind of listen to. If, that sounds really kind of cheesy. We do apologize for this. <laughs> so what photo have you chosen of yours?
0: Uh, it was a photo that I took at Doc Weiler, which is basically right down the street from my house. A beach. There's a beach? Yeah, there's a parking lot at the beach. It's a very odd place. It's It's peculiar because it is the beach, but there's this, like, huge, vast parking lot, very Los Angeles. A lot of movies are filmed here. And planes, because of the airport, fly overhead, and it just has this strange, weird feeling. So you hear cars kind of going back and forth. There's a pretty major road uh, that people take out of uh, the South Bay to get to their jobs, in the morning. So you can hear the traffic, you can hear the breeze and the ocean, uh, possibly a lifeguard, you know, truck beeping, or maybe a trash man picking up the trash. And then there's this like rumble and large roar of the planes overhead. Uh, So yeah, when I look at this picture, there's a lot of sound that kind of, reminds me of this moment yeah. and it's kind of just like ingrained. Also the roaring sounds of planes are is just an everyday. Oh it <laughs> it's is just what sure.
1: anybody who is. listens to Dev Party knows that
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> do you hear the ocean and from there? Did you say the ocean? Yes. All right.
0: All right. Yeah, depending on the day, obviously okay. it's you know when there's Larger swells, it's angrier, and it sounds. Or when it's cold out, it it sounds stronger. Yeah. When it's sunny and bright, it's almost like a different, a different sound. It's, it's so strange.
1: Yeah. And so the photo that I am uh, sharing is one that I took in 2018 on my first solo trip, and I return to this place. Well, in my head, I return to it often. Whenever I talk about wanting to take a a long exposure with the grasses moving. It's this photo that I'm thinking of. Whenever I'm talking about walking around a scene and taking in a scene and and really exploring the place before taking the photo, I'm talking about this specific scene. I'm Mm -hmm. always thinking about it because it was the first time that I did that. And it was the first time that I, not the first time I wanted to capture motion, but the first time I realized that this is what I do. Mm -hmm. This photo is, Maybe not exactly like a lot of photos that I've taken, but this photo is fucking me.
0: <laughs> this photo is very you.
1: And so in this photo, because it's large format, I was able to shoot a long exposure and you can see the movement in the grasses. And so you hear Love it. that You hear, if not the wind, you hear a little bit of rustling with the grass.
0: Ooh.
1: And that's... Kind of the only sound that you hear till you start listening, maybe a little harder or a little longer. And you can hear the wind playing with the wood on the house. Mm-hmm. There's this house sat back. And I don't know if we really described the photos, probably a failure on our part here. But the photo, <laughs> in my photo anyway, is a is a, a large field with tall grasses. To the To the center left, there is a schoolhouse, an old wooden schoolhouse and a clear sky, which kind of bummed me out.
0: But you yellow filtered the fuck out of this because it looks good.
1: I believe there is a yellow filter on it. More than likely there is. It's yeah, this old it film. Like I think it was like old Royal Pan from the 60s. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: it's beautiful. So, thank you. And so when the wind rushes through or even lightly runs through the building, you do get a little bit of motion of like the wood hanging there, a little bit of with the tin, like it's, it's a tin roof. And so if the wind picks up a little, little more than usual, the tin roof will make a creaking noise.
0: Mm-hmm. But-
1: This was taken in, I don't, I guess it's Buffalo Gap uh, national grassland, I think. And so off in the distance, you'll hear cows, a few cows lowing, which going back to the Argus song, low. Is that why low is the heifer? Is that why we say that cow's low? I think so. Maybe, but that's it. And that's really all the sounds that you hear. And so that's really all that's in the photo. The sounds of the grasses rustling are most prominent in my memory. And in the photo, they're also the most prominently seen. Your, your eyes are first attracted to the motion of the grasses, and that's what Absolutely. we're talking.
0: That's about. the first thing that I noticed.
1: Yeah, and that's what we're talking about when we're when we're quote unquote listening to, to images. Just oh god, mm-hmm. it's, it hurts to say something like that. It's <laughs> such a cheesy phrase. Listening to images. Listen to your images. Oh, it's I fucking hate it. So well, <laughs> well, we both knew which sounds we were listening to and what we heard when we took these photos. We also picked two other photos. Mm -hmm. Now, we're going to, I guess, ask each other what we hear in these. So what photo are you asking me to listen to?
0: Okay, it's two women, it looks like in New York City, possibly a spring or summer day by their dresses. You can kind of tell it was fifth. They got heels on and they're kind of smiling and looking at something that's funny or something has caught their eye yeah. and you can tell that there is noise to this picture. What noise do you hear in this picture
1: or sounds? I hear all of that. I mean, obviously the laughter of the blonde, the clacking of the heels, The the traffic to an extent you don't really see a lot of cars moving. It's it's they are parked. Maybe it's a a Sunday. I I don't know.
0: I'm sure there's always like a horn being honked. Maybe I'm not here.
1: I don't know. Maybe maybe. But I'm hearing what they're laughing at, and I think it's like a busker or something. I mean, it's like it's something ridiculous, like a mime or. Well, I guess you really wouldn't hear a mime though, would you? Maybe it's a really bad mime. (laughs) They're listening to a really bad mime. That's what's going on.
0: Yeah, I think so. But
1: there is a lot of movement here and there's a lot of sound in this photo. And it's Mm -hmm. Kubrick, like Stanley Kubrick, 2001, yes, Dr. Dr. Strangelove. (laughs) Yes,
0: Yes, this is a young lady in a hurry, 1950.
1: Cool. Well, the photo that I picked for you is by one of my favorite photographers, Terry Evans, and she's from Kansas and takes Mm -hmm. a lot of like, you've seen some of the aerial photography that she's done and a lot of the pastoral photography or just pasture photography that she's done. Well, she also got permission, I guess, or whatever, to go into these large uh, industrial smelting places. And so here are one of her photos taken with, I believe she took it with a four by five. I think that's, it was Mm -hmm. kind of her thing. It's in color. It's, there's a, a large bucket and I mean, large, Fucking bucket uh, for like melting iron ore, I guess, on the Mm -hmm. floor, and then one above it, and it just and it shows you that there's like a walkway and there's an expanse of how large this place is. Mm -hmm. What are you hearing?
0: Yeah, it's incredible. Even just that little sliver of of warm light, because there's a crack in the bucket, Mm -hmm. is just like phenomenal. It's such a great picture. It is. Um, I've worked in industrial places. And I know this buzzing, the sound of a warehouse. I know what it sounds like when you work with heavy machinery. I fucking love heavy machinery. (laughs) I love equipment. I love it. I know it's crazy, but if I can drive it, I want to. Um, How many times did I ask you if we could stop and so I could talk to the farmer and ask if I can like- Drive the the tractor.
1: This is like a big (laughs) Nebraska tractor. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I could do it. I know I can. not <laughs> I'm sure I know you I can. can. I want. It. I want to. So, if anybody has a tractor, I will work for free for the day if you teach me how to use it. <laughs> okay. Anyways, yes. So, in this, there is an echo. There is any sort of dropping of anything, any noise, any banging. It's going to echo and bounce in this building. It's it's very like a, a vast place. It's it's metal and steel and concrete, um, and it has this like warm light. So I'm assuming it's not cold weather. Uh, I'm assuming it's maybe during the like spring or summer months mm-hmm. where you're not have to be bundled up and you don't have like breath like <laughs> <laughs> fog coming out of your mouth. So that's nice. <laughs> um, maybe some birds uh that got that got caught inside the building trying to find their way out.
1: maybe maybe
0: just all hanging up in the in the eaves all
1: <laughs> probably probably that. Is
0: that what they do, do mm-hmm. They do that
1: So we'll... <laughs> yes, uh, yes, it's exactly right. I thought they were just birds in here now. <laughs> so we'll have these photos on our social media and on the show notes you can check them out. So
0: there's always birds up in these these eaves right here.
1: (laughs) So continuing on. According to a study by Amy Perembra and James Bigelow out of the University of Iowa, our ability to retain visual data far exceeds our ability to retain auditory data. This isn't incredibly shocking. We don't need photography to recall a scene, even an intricate detail. But here is a unique opportunity for us.
0: We can allow the camera to remember the visuals of the scene and free up our minds to recall the sounds. And yes, we realize that that's not how minds work. But in the end, maybe this isn't about remembering things, or at least faithfully remembering things. We're not trying to perfectly capture sound like we're capturing the visual. If we wanted to do that, we would record it on our phones or on a recorder.
1: Sound can surround you in ways that a visual scene could not. When we take a photograph, we're focused specifically on what's in front of us, what's in the frame. Then later after developing it, when we're looking at our photographs, we'll hardly remember and possibly have never noticed what was behind us. If it's not in the frame, it simply doesn't matter.
0: But sound doesn't have such constrictions. We will hear sounds all around us when we're shooting, whether we're conscious of it or not. But for the sake of this piece, we need to be more conscious of it.
1: (laughs) This could be a wild departure for us. When I was talking to Robert Burton, Robert Elgato Magnifico, he mentioned that it might be as jarring as when they added sounds to movies to make them talkies. Some audience members in the late 1920s and early 1930s found that the magic had disappeared with the introduction of sound. Others argued that sound was jarring and that talkies did away with the need for imagination.
0: In a way, we think Robert is correct, but only if we are physically adding sounds to our photos, like they did with the talkies. I believe that when we recall the sounds we heard, something entirely different is happening. A photo captures a fraction of a second of time. The sound we recall, however, could have taken place over the course of setting up the shot or even long before and after. The sounds in our memory represent a much greater slice of our own
1: existence. Rather than doing away with imagination, it demands its presence, at least to some extent. This idea will come more obvious in a moment. But with all that said, sound will likely improve our memory retention of the experience that we photographed. We'll remember not only the visual, but the sounds as well. And this will connect us more intimately to the scene we photographed.
0: Remembering the sounds we heard as we took our photos is one thing, and generally a simple thing to do. We simply pay attention, and there they are. But the same cannot be said of photos we didn't take, especially if they are ones we see in a zine or a book.
1: For those, we must employ both our experience as human beings, living in the world, and our own imaginations. We have to both conform to the image being shown to us and make the image conform to our own minds and lives.
0: This varies depending upon which kinds of photographs we're viewing. If it's a city scene, busy with buses and street life, our minds might automatically recall the last time we were downtown. Maybe a specific sound pulled directly from our lives will enter this unfamiliar picture.
1: If it's a pastoral landscape, the breeze through the grasses, like we're talking about before, that might be imagined. The breaking of sticks underfoot or that far-off lowing of cattle and and an eagle or something overhead. Portraits, again, offer to us a fully different experience. And we're not really prepared to go into that. (laughs) Sorry. We're just not. But much can be gleaned from even those, though our imaginations might have to be employed to a much greater degree.
0: Regardless of the photograph, when we imagine sound, even if we know the sound the photographer heard, we are imagining and thus creating along with the photographer. The photo, which we had no prior relationship with, has now become an unintentional collaboration between ourselves and the photographer.
1: When we look at a photograph, there is always a gap between what we're seeing and what it was like to experience that scene in person. Part of that gap is sound. Bridging that gap, even partially, plays a vital role in our own creativity.
0: In a sense, creativity is always attempting to fill the gaps between reality and our imagination. We can rarely create exactly what's in our heads, and reproducing an exact replica of reality is impossible. And a weird desire, but whatever. There's the gap, which our creativity can play in and fill.
1: On the other hand, the more time we spend just looking at photos and not trying to immerse ourselves in them, the less our creative minds are engaged in consuming art. We can look at the photographs and paintings, sculptures, architecture, as beautiful things they are. There's nothing wrong with that, really. But the more we can engage with the piece, the more meaningful we may find the art and our experience viewing it.
0: With photography, the sounds we can imagine will have a direct impact not only upon our creativity at the time, but on our creativity going forward. We can carry that sound-based creativity over to our own photography.
1: So we probably won't think of a sound, say like the screech of an eagle, and then rush out to find an eagle to photograph. That's not really how that works at all. But while we're out in the field, if we hear this eagle, it will affect our creative flow. We'll look around for her, and if we're lucky, we'll photograph her. More likely than not, the sound will lodge in our memories, the goofy, the goofy-ass sound of an eagle, will lodge in our memories, and when we see our eagleless photos, uh, and when we see our eager, wow, and when we see our eagleless photos later on, we'll once again hear that weird, ridiculous call.
0: Not surprisingly, the sound will affect different styles of photography in different ways. For me, basically a sports or people photographer, the eagle story is true, but perhaps a seagull or a Los Angeles local news station helicopter <laughs> hovering over the beach getting that footage for the
2: 8 o'clock news.
1: So I recently wrote a little bit about this. Mm -hmm. So I wrote, What can we hear when we look at a photo? What sounds were present when the shutter was open for that fraction of a second? In the moment, in order to hear more perfectly, we close our eyes, letting the visual fade into memory, while we steady our breath for the noises in the distance. In the immediate... The dry grasses under our feet, the slight rustling of the dark cloth, the cooling of the car engine behind. There are birds, unnoticed, some song and a magpie. When the breeze picked up, the rubbing of tree branches near the house. Over the hill, and out of frame, to the right, there is a farmer loading bales of hay onto a flatbed. If you hold your breath, you can hear the murmur of discussion between the dueling engines and lifts. They are a mile away, and yet their sound carries into the frame. Unable to be reached by the lens, a highway stretches from one coast to the other, the longest on the continent. And though a whisper through fields and swales, those indistinguished lulls of quiet static push their way underground, and they reverberate into everything. Quiet, yet never fully silent. Another breath in your own body drowns everything until exhaled and held. Somewhere in this ringing, the shutter was open. The light was held silent forever. But it was not silent then. As the film was exposed, there was a world that resonated through the emulsion, through the cut wheat, through the windows and doors blown open, through the trees held bare for the autumn, through songs and magpies, through the engines, the cars on the horizon, the clouds. There was a world. There was an entire world that your photograph forgot. And there is the sound that you will never hear again. I think that's a little sad to think about it's beautiful that you're Mm. never going to hear that sound again you can hear sounds like it you can even record it but it's just not the same Mm -hmm. but go on please
0: well it's kind of like what i said about you know i'm never gonna be nine again they'll never be single digits yeah a
1: lot of ways it is yeah
0: because it's like well i am still gonna be a person i'm still gonna be me but just hopefully more enlightened slightly at least right? Well,
1: we'll see. But go on.
0: (sighs) With street photography, it seems almost too obvious. The sound of the city are unceasing around you. The voices of who you're photographing are captured as you open the shutter. For the sake of safety, you have to keep your ears open to cars and people. Being hyper-focused, I think it would be nearly impossible to forget these sounds.
1: When it comes to portrait photography, the responsibility of hearing the subjects falls entirely upon the viewer. What stories are being told? Whose voices are telling them? Is this the gaze of the photographer, or is it the expression of the subject?
0: Talking to Kate Miller-Wilson, she essentially ignores sounds altogether. She even ignores the tactile. Mosquitoes could be gnawing on her face. She doesn't feel a thing. For her, everything is visual. She doesn't believe that there are any normal noises that could distract her.
1: But I'm not sure that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about being distracted by sounds, though I suppose yeah. they're distracting. but
0: Maybe, but she's focused on a specific thing. She's not thinking of anything right.
1: else. We're almost talking about the opposite, about being surrounded by sound, about focusing upon mm-hmm. the sound as you take the photograph.
0: Listening also helps our photography in a practical way most shutters can be heard clearly. And if we use the camera enough, we can judge whether the shutter is off a bit.
1: Yeah. I was recently out shooting with a friend and she set her shutter to uh, to half to a half second. But when she exposed the film, the shutter seemed to take a long time to close, like a lot longer than a half second. And so at the moment I was like, I think that was longer than a half second. So we flicked it again, and, oh, it was. And she's like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. But after she developed the shots, she realized at that that, she realized that that particular image was about a stop or two overexposed. So use your ears to test your shutter. Don't rely on them. You need a shutter tester. Go on.
0: Eric wrote some beautiful poetic piece, so I decided to write something of my own. Oh, no
1: way. What did you write? <laughs> it's,
0: it's not. It's not poetic. <laughs> okay. What is it? Not all shutters are created equal. Mamiya with its mighty clunk. Nikon with a zippy snap. Yashica, well, unfortunately, with a cartoon-like spring of a broken clock. For me, it's part of the experience of photographing. And yes, gear is a part of the experience. I tend to hold my breath while shooting. It's a terrible habit that I feel one day will have me dramatically faint, hopefully in a bed of daisies. The click is the end, and the winding of the film is the beginning of what's to come. It usually comes with a sigh of relief and a breath of air because I don't always shoot quickly and was possibly holding my breath for a while. The sounds of the camera are part of a ritual and a choreography of the instruments we use.
1: I mean, the the shutter is such a An iconic sound that even on our phones, which don't have, at least don't have mechanical shutters in the same way, they they have that sound when you push the button, it, that it sounds like an old shutter. Well, it has a shitty recording of an old shutter.
0: Yeah. But on you- It does have a shitty recording of an it, old it shutter. It really
1: does. So how can all of this help our photography? Which is kind of the whole point in really anything we do. How are we gonna help ourselves here? So Mm -hmm. listening in general, especially to the sounds around us can aid our photography. When we photograph, we are capturing memories, our own, and in a way preserving those that came before us. When we're photographing historical places, or in nature, even in the city, many of the sounds we hear were heard by those before us.
0: In some places, the same trees and grasses, the same birds and winds, have been there for generations, for thousands of years. If we are not listening to these sounds, we are not experiencing the full spectrum of what we are capturing.
1: Not just the sounds around us, but the simple act of stopping and being aware, being mindful of the world around us. Not just of the scenes, but of everything.
0: By following this practice, we are able to tell more complete stories through our photography. And we can remember not just how we felt when taking it, but how those before us felt and we can pass on their stories to anyone willing to listen to our images. Every episode we get together and talk, well actually not even just every episode, all the fucking time we're talking about Zeed's baby. So we have a ton to get through. Let's get through at least like three. Yeah, we've
1: got a lot of zines kind of piled up. And I just got another one today, which we won't be reviewing yet, but we will be reviewing very soon. Thank you, Ralph Brandy.
0: Yeah, we have a stack, both of oh us. So don't worry if we haven't gotten to your zine, we're getting okay. there. And if you think we forgot, you can remind us. Yeah, we like. may have forgotten you. No, I mean, I probably did.
1: Eric that did That is not. probably true. So the first scene that I've got is by Ben W. Fay. It is called The Lost Show. And it's basically oh, a catalog for a show that he did, I believe, in his church. And it's 17 pieces, shot mostly in Virginia, but also in the UK. I think there's one in Arizona. It's mostly 35 millimeter and 120 shots, but he did tell me on the slide that there are two digital photos in there somewhere. See if you can spot them. I think I did. Yeah. Though I could be wrong, because it's, it's kind of hard to tell sometimes. This is an eight by eight zine. It's mostly black and white. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very strange. Oh, I don't know. Stark in some ways, the pictures are. I guess I wouldn't say your normal. Like if you go to a a place and you would would you would you take a photo like I think I would.
0: I love the eight by eight. I have it too. By the you way, you have it too. So. Yeah. Oh, good.
1: Yeah. Good.
0: <laughs> I love the way that he wrapped it. It's soup soup's profesh.
1: It it is. It is indeed. And the, the way he pairs photos off with each other, he really does seem to take notice that he's he's making a book, yes. and it is nice when you have photos playing off of each other, like the mm-hmm. one from I believe it's the Grand Canyon juxtaposed to a, next to a fence, uh, mm-hmm. so like a stone fence. It works yeah, very perfect. well. You have some peppers next to a vacuum cleaner, uh, like an outdoor car vacuum cleaner. You there's it's it's a really wonderful zine, mostly black and white, some color. a lot of of variety here. I think these together, I think it really would make a good show. It makes a good scene, but there is something, like you can tell this was part of a show. Mm -hmm. You really can. He selected these to be seen in a larger kind of open air kind of feel. And they are unfortunately all trapped in this little zine. And fortunately that zine is very available and you can pick it up for $12. We'll have the link in the show notes and you should. This is a good zine.
0: it's good to have on your table. You can have a conversation about it. I love like when people come over. I just grab like a stack. I, I'm not really like picking. I'm not choosing. I just grab a stack of zines and I bring them. And when I travel, I bring zines too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so what I zine bring you all have...
0: sorts of stuff.
1: So what zine do you have for us?
0: I have views from Tucson, issue number. Oh, this is uh,
1: Kiki, is it not?
0: Yes. I can't believe he has already got to five. <laughs> <laughs> so if you haven't seen Kiki's photography, I obviously highly re- recommend you follow him on Instagram. He's great. He lives in Tucson, and he captures the city in a very specific way. Maybe because he's native and knows the place so well? I'm not really sure, but... I really do enjoy the zines he puts out or puts together. Uh, He is the epitome of an analog photographer, and I am fucking here for it. He shoots with several different formats, a Canon A1, which I like to call steak sauce, a Canonette QL17, Mamiya 645 Pro, and his Mamiya Universal Press, which he does something really fun with. Particularly, I really enjoyed page 23 and 24. He shoots with the press camera, and we get the same lovely scene shot with the one and only FP-100 Pack film. I remember that stuff. <laughs> and even the Fuji 3000B uh, makes a...
2: R.I.P.
0: Uh, <laughs> it's... It's kind of a flex, a little bit. Like I'm like, okay, Kiki, I see what you're doing here. It's, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Um, he's and he was obviously way smarter than all of us and stocked up <laughs> and saved. Yes, he did his lovely, lovely pack film so he can put it in these zines for us to see. So. Uh, Thank you so much for that. Both of the pack film pictures were taken with the Mamiya Universal. So he shoots it with just regular film. And then has obviously a uh, pack adapter to it. So fuck yeah. Thanks Kiki for sharing your city with us. I am always so happy to get your zines, not only for the lovely, well-organized awesomeness, but your stickers as well. So Uh, If you would like to follow Kiki, he's at Kiki Wilkins on Instagram. He has a website, www.kikiwilkins.com, where you can find a treasure map to follow the instructions to find Kiki's zine at Wooden Tooth Records in T-Town or message him directly to get a copy sent to you.
1: And because we are filled up with zines, we've got a third one. I do. It's uh, Film on the Girl, issue 1.0. Volume One. It's by Jennifer Stamps, and she does some other zines. She's done retold stories, which I believe is found film or found photos, I guess. And Austin, my Austin. This is uh, taken on a day she went to the racetrack, and these are vintage cars that they were racing. Um, I'm not a vintage car person. I don't. I can't look at a car and think, oh, this is like you know a '58, whatever, whatever. That's not my thing. My dad can do that. That's he has it. It's his superpower. I, I think, I love this scene, but I think I'm gonna send it to him. I think I think he would really like this. Oh,
0: that's actually a really good idea. Yeah, my dad
1: would really like this. So I'm looking, there's some Mustangs, and ah, that's kind of, when I mean, they all look like Mustangs. They're all kind of like <laughs> late 60s, muscly cars, and they all could be Mustangs. I mean, there's a Ford, so that's a Mustang.
0: Charger. Um, yeah. Chevelles.
1: I think these are all Mustangs. They're, they, they are indeed. <laughs> but yeah, it's a short scene, it's about 16 pages, and she went to the track and, Got I me. Mean, she was, she was right down there in the thick of it. It was pretty cool. It was some some interior shots, some some shots of of the drivers of their cars. We were looking for oh. zines to review, and I saw this one, and I recognized the name, Film and the Girl," and they're like, "Oh, Jennifer Stamps,"
3: mm-hmm.
1: and yeah, you should check her out, at Jennifer dot com. On Instagram, she is "Filming the Girl," and uh, we'll have the link. We'll have a link in our show notes. Everybody, if you want your zine reviewed, let us know. We we are more than willing to pay for your zine. If you want to send it to us out of the goodness and kindness of your heart, we're not going to stop you. But we are more than willing to pay. So if you've got a zine or you know somebody who has a zine out, let us know. We'd love to review it.
0: Author Lens is brought to you by our lovely, Patreon subscribers. Patreon helps us pay for hosting, books, our newspaper.com account, for research, audio equipment, and hopefully a new chair because mine is super squeaky. Yeah,
1: sure is. We would
0: like to thank our subscribers for their support. We couldn't do it without you.
1: Since last we podcasted, we, for somehow and some reason, got a slew of new patrons and they've just joined the ranks. And they are... Jay David. Joseph Griffin. Melvin Buckpit. Anthony Tentio. Michelle. Nick Vincent. Jay Gellity. And
0: Theo Luckman. Thank you so much for your support. It would be stupid to do this podcast without you.
1: And if you like bonus episodes, full-length interviews, and extra nonsense, you can become a Patreon subscriber. We've got three levels of support, with the cheapest being less than a buck an episode, less than a buck and damn episode
0: so head over to patreon.com slash all through a lens for more info on that
1: oh vanya i guess we're kind of winding yeah. down here a little bit well before we go, i have a question to ask you uh i know it's it's oh, what's your next week look like but before before you get to that you sound mm-hmm. a little different <laughs>
0: Oh, I totally forgot
1: about that. You sound I don't know, there's a little bit of a you, you got a you got a new mic.
0: No, I got a new I got a new voice. Oh,
1: well that's even <laughs> better than a new mic. Which you which you got. You got you got a new mic. Why did why did you get a new mic? Like, to be to be clear, I, I half know this story. I do not know how this happened. But please, please tell me. Okay.
0: I was like getting ready for the day, mm-hmm. trying to get my work done, and um when I record, I pull my mic forward. It's on a stand. It's it's basically like a framework stand, and it kind of has this, like, balancing weight to it. <laughs> so when I'm done with it, I usually put it back, and I did not put it back. So I was like, okay, I need to put this back. So I loosened it and lifted up the mic so it's straight up in the air, and then I push it all the way back to the farthest corner of my tanker desk as possible. So it's out of the way. I have done this so many times. And this time I must've said Kobe out loud because I forgot to tighten it and it swung back down right into my coffee. (laughs) Swish, yeah, it was like, boom. I was like, oh my, like freaking out, coffee spilt everywhere, all over my desk. It just so happened that I just opened Liz Liz Potter's uh, card where she sent, like, those beautiful pictures. Yeah, yeah. And so the only thing I was concerned about was getting those out of the fucking way. Everything else could die. I mean, my recorder, my keyboard, everything. I was like, oh, my God, Liz Potter's letter, like, <laughs> grabbing it. Like, no. I, I, I think there's, like, one spot of coffee on the back of, like, one of them, but... I saved it. Oh, that's
1: good. You didn't save the mic though.
0: I did not save the (laughs) mic. So I, it was like, it was just spreading. It was a nightmare. It was like one of those nightmare spills. I've been breaking shit like nonstop. I keep breaking things. I don't know what's going on. I I dropped a whole bottle of olive oil the other day and I broke it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's not funny, but it's kind of funny.
0: It's. It was awful to clean up. Like I would not wish that upon anyone. <laughs> so, basically, it was kind of like that. I was like trying to clean it up, like paper towels and towels, and trying to like kind of sop it. Uh, you know that no that sopping. Like uh-huh. uh, there's still a little bit of stickiness to my desk, unfortunately, but I'm. After this is done, I'm gonna do like a full overhaul, of course. So I'll clean this up. But yeah, it was a nightmare. Um, I let the mic dry for a few hours while you were at work. Mm-hmm. I did mention it. Like, I think I wrote, like, drop my mic in coffee and I'm freaking out. That's,
1: that's exactly <laughs> what you wrote me. Yeah.
0: I let it dry, I didn't do anything with it until you got back. It sounded okay. Did it? And then I recorded. Oh, okay. And the recording sounded like shit. It sounds like
1: you're on a CB, (laughs) like you're calling in from your truck.
0: Yes, I am. It was awful. So I ended up pulling the mic out. Liquid was still coming out of it. It wasn't really Uh, dry. So rest in peace, Mike. Uh, Luckily, we have another mic I've been kind of savoring for this moment, I guess, because I just... I guess it was just bound to happen that
1: I was going to break my mic. Well, it's a good mic that we have now, and it wanted to make its grand entrance.
0: It did. It did. So third or second half of the season or whatever. I don't even know where we are right now. <laughs> I think it's still like 2020, right?
1: It's somewhere around <laughs> there.
0: Something like that. Yeah, so I i really like it. I hope you guys like it too. I'm just trying to figure it out right now and get um, my voice somewhat even. Um, We're working on it. I'm really bad at
1: that. (laughs) (laughs) So with that, what are you doing for the next week or so, photographically speaking?
0: From this recording, actually, I had planned to meet up uh, with Alan, Mm -hmm. Alan being Alan on Instagram. Uh, I took him around San Pedro and Palos Verdes like a week or two ago. And um, we got to shoot a bunch, but he... I think a camera mishap happened and he didn't get to shoot color. So we're going to actually go to San Pedro, uh, tomorrow morning. We're supposed to meet there at first light. Ooh, so. another
1: first light. I know.
0: Nice. <laughs> Gotta get there in the dark. Uh, so yeah, we're going to just like go under a bridge because I'm, you know, I'm the nicest troll you'll ever meet <laughs> I'll be like, ah, okay, here I am. So pinned to place, we're going to meet. Um we just had so much fun shooting the last time and I kind of mentioned uh we, we shot at sunset in the same spot and I mentioned that sunrise would be just as beautiful. Uh so yeah, I probably will bring the RB and I'll probably bring some Shanghai because I did order a bunch of it. So I'm kind of kind of going burning through it pretty quickly right now. <laughs> um maybe I'll bring my four by five or five by seven. I don't know, we'll see how it goes. Uh, what about you? Tell us what your film photography week or two.
1: Well, is gonna... well, I'm starting a new project. Uh, actually a, n- a new collaboration. Um I'm not going to say much about it because I'm not sure we haven't really dis- we've really hammered anything out yet. But it's going to focus around the Duwamish River in Seattle. I've shot a- around the Duwamish quite a bit, but I'm um I'm going to continue so that's going to be happening. I'm not sure. It's going to be a long project. We're probably We're going to probably give it about a year just to kind of take it slow. See how it goes.
0: Wow. Um, four by five? Four by five. Black yeah, away? we got
1: some, uh, some ectopan from 1983, I think. I could be wrong about the year. On top of all of that, I am going to be reluctantly testing uh, a caffanol concoction <laughs> that I'm creating. Oh my I'm creating. It is for, uh, ostensibly for a dev party. We shall see what happens there.
0: Oh my gosh! Can we? Can we will. We just ev- mention- yeah,
1: we'll eventually okay. fucking do a dev party with Kaphinol.
0: Okay, cool. And then we can talk about the crystals, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Cool.
1: And then what else? And then tell l- us. More. Lastly, I'm getting a. Uh, I'm. I'm. My zines, like I said in the beginning of the episode, my zines are coming in the mail probably by Tuesday, and I'll be screen printing the covers of those, the text yes. on the covers of those, and then I'll be. Oh, he's screen printing the bags that they're going to be going in as well. Possibly a two color. You yeah, have done
0: something like that since when? Oh, uh,
1: since issue five of of Conspiracy of Cartographers. So like May wow. of two years ago.
0: And the second, all through uh, a lens. I think you did the the cover for. Those I screen printed as well. both
1: covers of All Through a Lens. Yeah, yeah that was before that, I believe. Hmm. So it's been I'm a while. I'm so excited for this. Uh, this will be, so the, the ink will hold a surprise. That's all I'm going to say. A lot of surprises, Ooh. a lot of things I can't talk about. Hmm. So yeah, secre- seriously,
0: so secretive.
1: <sighs> so much secrets.
0: <laughs> and up for the next dev party, we're gonna be doing some cyanotyping. So hopefully Eric will have some sun?
1: No. You don't need sun to do cyanotypes, so we'll talk a little <laughs> bit about that, but really the focus of the of the actual episode is going to be tinting cyanotypes. Mm. It's, okay, you've got these cyanotypes, they're they're paper with blue stuff on them, and it looks like a fucking cyanotype. And you look at it and you go, hmm, cyanotype. What can we do to make those look like not cyanotypes until everybody starts doing this and we figure out that these are like cyanotypes too? I don't know.
0: I am actually, Really excited about this project because I'm gonna do something a little different. I think I'm gonna tint mine with some, some uh, random shit.
1: <laughs> that would be different. Some
0: onion peels, perhaps. I don't know. That's we'll disgusting. see. So stay tuned. Well,
1: we'll have to. We'll have to stay tuned for that. So, is there anything else that you would like to say?
0: Yes. Thank you for listening to All Through a Lens. If you'd like to contact us, we're at allthroughalens.podcast on Instagram. By email, it's althroens.podcast at gmail. And we're all through a lens on Twitter. You can also check out our show notes on all
1: Vanya is at Surf Martian.
0: And Eric is at conspiracy.of.cartographers.
1: Both on Instagram. And speaking of Instagram, make sure to hashtag your stuff. Hashtag All Through a Lens podcast to be featured.
0: We also do a Spotify playlist for each episode. So check those out and see what we're listening to. Just search All Through a Lens.
1: It'll be the blue logo. Yes, the blue one. Not the one with all the episodes on it. Yes, the blue one. The blue one. You can also find our episodes, speaking of on Spotify, as well as on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and wherever the hell else you find your podcast. Subscribe to us and give us a review. Why not? Why? Not?
0: The music you're hearing now is from Last Regiment of Syncopated Drummers, which you can find at lastregiment.com.
1: And thank you all so much for listening. We love you, and we'll see you next week at Dev Party. Vanya? Yes? You still want to go out and
0: shoot? Fuck yeah, I do.
1: Ooh, let's go.
0: I don't want to leave yet. I, I liked don't this don't leave like this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm so sorry. I do I, know. I, 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 I'm so I, sad I, it's I, over. Are you sure? Ugh. Fine.